0: Hi friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, Forbes blogger, speaker, and now author of my own career book that has just released for pre-order on Amazon. You can probably guess the name as it's also called U-Turn spelled Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. This book is all about getting unstuck, discovering your direction, and designing your dream career. I created the U-Turn podcast and wrote the U-Turn book with this goal of helping you reconnect to who you truly are and upgrading your confidence in work and in love. So if you're looking to get even more clarity beyond the podcast and even the book on where you belong in the workforce, or you want to make a career pivot or just explore your purpose overall, we have a brand new free quiz to help you out with that. Just head on over to ashleystall.com if you want to take it. It's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com for the free quiz. Also, I'm really excited to finally let you know that this episode has been brought to you by Organifi. I have fallen so in love with their smoothie protein, their chocolate, their vanilla, and also their green juice drink. I have both of these products every single day and after years of declining and dodging sponsorship because I didn't want to feel sticky promoting something to you, I decided that their products were so good, so transformative for my health in my morning routine that I reached out to them and asked if they wanted to sponsor the U-Turn show. So if you are inspired to upgrade your health during these uncertain times and you want products to add into your routine throughout the day, I just can't recommend them enough. I was able to get you a discount code for 15% off when you check out. All you gotta do is head on over to Organifi.com backslash U-Turn. It's spelled Organifi O-R g-a-n-i-f-i.com backslash y-o-u-t-u-r-n. Make sure you enter the code U-Turn at checkout on their website. And now let's dive in to this week's episode.
1: I think this is about separating, learning to separate your identity from your work and your career success and starting to find value and worth in the woman that you are and that has nothing to do do with your achievements because we are loved for who we are not what we do and unless and until we make that differentiation we're all always going to lead our dates we're always going to lead our relationships with money with achievements because that's what we think the opposite sex is looking for and that is far from the truth
0: Hey, U-Turners. It's Ash here. And, uh, you know, I happen to probably be partial to the love category. And so I always get excited to record these episodes. And today I wanted to bring Sammy Wonder onto the show. She's an internationally recognized relationship and dating expert, and she specializes in working with ambitious, high-achieving women, helping them attract and keep the kind of love that matches the success they have in their careers. And I know that there's so much to this topic. And so I wanted to talk to her a little bit about feminine energy, stereotypes, helping you clarify how to apply and embody feminine energy. And also what it looks like if you're emasculating your man. So I totally am aware that this is more of a hetero focused episode. Um, And also if you are a cool and developed dude listening to this, you are so welcome to it. I think it might be insightful to learn what it looks like when your woman is emasculating you so that you can open up those conversations. I could go on forever. Sammy, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me, Ashley.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like You know, every dating coach has a reason why they got into it. And usually it was that they didn't love dating until they did. Like what what, what was your story that got you into love and and being an expert?
1: So I would say there were two things that were instrumental for me. One was that my own career as a development economist and a consultant um, in international development organizations wasn't bringing me the kind of joy and impact that my soul was craving for and um even though i cracked the numbers um like a, a really good economist i never really felt like what i was doing was making an impact in the lives of the people in this in on this planet in this world and there was just no sense of satisfaction and i often you know used to stop and ask myself so is there all that is there to life i mean there's got to be more And um, that career dissatisfaction was also compounded by the fact that, number two, my love life looked uh, nowhere as successful as the kind of career success I was having as a smart and well-educated woman. So I had all these men fizzling out on me, all these men telling me that I'm a great girl, but they're not feeling it for me. And so that's what got me studying romantic relationships, because I think I've always been a good student and uh, a good problem solver, which I think a lot of the high achieving women will relate with. You know, when we have a problem, we look for a solution and we want to solve it. And so when this one guy that I thought was the one for me dumped me off to two months of um, intense dating, I pulled up my sleeves and decided to use my masculine energy and start studying romantic relationships. And I think what that did for me was, you know, like it started with really superficial things like how to text a guy and how to how to uh, play hard to get. And then when you get below the surface of all that crap that is floating on the internet, like really superficial dating materials, you start to see that our romantic relationships are the biggest mirrors of the relationship we have with ourselves. And that's where I started. Um, And then slowly I made my way up. I worked my way up to, you know, really starting to feel worthy, um, regardless of uh, my achievements in my job, like starting to separate my identity from, you know, my success, my achievements, and started to see myself as a woman, who is worthy for of love and of being adored just by being a woman and just by being who she was. And um, I had radical shifts inside of myself based on which I decided to draw out a process for my clients today that I teach them. And uh, I met and got engaged with my husband um, of over seven years now within nine months. So my transformation was very rapid and it wasn't just around self-love. It was around so many other concepts of understanding the differences in the sexes, understanding attraction, understanding how to communicate better. So all of that was coming together for me. And uh, when Chris and I got married, we moved to Paris because he got a great job with the European Space Agency. And then I found myself in a new country uh, without the language. So I didn't speak a word of French. And that is when my previous dissatisfaction with my career in the development sector and my own journey of being a strong, successful woman who, you know, got dumped and had a really hard time dating. And then getting married and also recognizing that so many of my girlfriends, university educated, masters, PhDs, they were also just like me struggling, and now starting to turn uh, for advice to, to me, you know, and that is when things clicked for me and came together that what if I I gave this advice, but what if I charged for it? And what if I actually helped people? So I've done it for myself, um, but that's not enough. I need to, in order to become a coach, I need to, you know, be able to be able to give this advice in a way that it can actually help people. And so for me, that was the starting point of thinking of a completely new career track. I got myself trained in just, you know, the skills of coaching, because with the relationship skills that I wanted to teach, I still wanted it to be my journey that I bring to the table and my process that I bring to the table. But when it came to being a good coach, I still felt it was important to, you know, get get a certificate, understand how to speak and coach your clients. And that's where it all started, just four years ago. And um, there's been no looking back. We're running a seven-figure company today. We are serving um, highly successful women from over 40 countries in the world. We are leading with results. So I have... Um, 177 of my clients who've gotten engaged and found their soulmate by using the process that I teach over 250 saved relationships and marriages. And, oh my God, like the benefits of following your heart and being courageous and, uh, following that voice inside that says, you know, there's more to your life than justice.
0: Beautiful. And I, I know that, um, you know, finding love has a lot to do with harnessing both masculine and feminine energy in a way that you create that polarity between you and another person. And there seems to be a lot of talk about feminine energy, masculine energy. And I think as a result, a lot of stereotypes. What can you share for everybody about, you know, stereotypes and and even just defining what feminine energy means to you?
1: I think feminine energy to me is that soft, hard, connected energy where we are connected with our being state versus our doing state. So as highly successful women, uh, we're very used to having long to-do lists and we're very used to getting things done and we can plan and we can organize and we can uh, lead and we can decide. And that's all great. It's empowered masculine energy. Mm -hmm. But feminine is who you are being when you're not doing any of that. When you're just showing up with your essence, connected with your heart state, connected with your feeling state, and just giving yourself permission to show up that way without having to do anything or prove anything. Mm. Now, the stereotypes around feminine energy, I think mostly are that it's about being a doormat mm-hmm. so when you say the word feminine energy it gets all kinds of responses <laughs> like uh, I, I know that a lot of the times high achieving women would be like oh so you want me to dumb down and play small to get a guy mm-hmm. or do you want me to like just seal my mouth and not have ever an opinion again uh, so that just a guy would like me mm-hmm. or should i become a doormat Um, Mm -hmm. just to have a man in my life. So I think there's a lot of stereotypical images we have that are incorrect and that are incomplete because a woman who is a doormat is not in her feminine energy. She is, she's in her wounded feminine energy, right? So when we say connect with your feminine energy in order to master the sexual polarity in your relationship and in order to master you know the soulmate attraction process we're not asking you to become a voiceless headless opinionless woman we're actually there to remind you that that is all of that is wounded energy and we're not asking you to enter your wounded feminine we're asking you to enter your empowered feminine energy and that has a voice and that has. Um, uh, boundaries and that can say no, and yet it can be what I like to call soft on the outside and strong on the inside. So, a lot of women, a lot of women, you know, we are the ones who are in high achieving careers. What, what do we become? You know, we, we tend to stuff our feelings down, we tend to not be too emotional because it's embarrassing. And then we just learn to get on with life. We learn to stifle our emotions. We learn to stifle our femininity. We learn to suppress the woman that we have inside of us. And then we like to lead like men, mm-hmm. right? And so when we do that, we we start to show up as what I like to call in my work, a cactus, right? Mm. So we've got, we we've, or a coconut, you know, however you would like to describe it you are showing up with walls and strength on the outside. Even though you have a really soft interior, you have a really soft, mushy heart and you're sensitive and you feel things, right? Mm -hmm. But you're, but you're too afraid to let it out. You're too afraid for the world to see it. You have fear of judgment. You don't want to be too dramatic. You know, all things that we've been taught like, um, you know, don't cry too much. Don't share your feelings. So we just show up with that really hard exterior. And when we do that, we are not um, inviting to men. We're not inviting to our partners. Mm. I or more from my own marriage. My husband always tells me, okay, can we get the CEO, CEO role off? Like end of day, can I just have my wife back? because i mean when i'm in that mode you know i just want to get things done and i'm very organized and i give instructions and i delegate work and then when it's time to switch off the laptop and connect like it's so important that i'm able to shed that hard exterior you know that empowered masculine exterior and be able to access my softness with my man Because that's what he's in it for. He's not, he's men don't marry and men don't date women because they're very successful or because they can lead meetings or because they have seven figure businesses.
0: This is a point that I want to grab because I think a lot of women see themselves as more valuable if they bring that to the table, because it's hard to imagine that there's women out there who don't care about their career at all. And they are, I, I hate to use the word competing, you know, for like this, like high value man. Does that make sense? Like, and what do you think, how, how can we really nail this in for people that your career success pretty much has nothing to do with your love success?
1: Yes, absolutely. Great point. So I think, uh, firstly, the word competition, how does it make you feel like yeah, if you were, to, if you were to just checking. It's, it's a word that is bringing up scarcity, it's a ber- word that is bringing up fear, it's a word that is bringing up lack it's a word that is bringing up pressure and that's the first sign that you're on the wrong, wrong track right, like I, I always ask my clients to check in with themselves how the way they're thinking makes them feel and if it makes them feel defeated and under pressure and like a loser and like they can never get it right and like whatever they have is not good enough or it needs to be more so that they can get a high caliber man, they're on the wrong track, right? Mm. Because they're, they're measuring themselves by um, a yardstick that is false. So If you were to talk, like even in our programs, you know, we get highly successful entrepreneur, male entrepreneurs, and we get like highly successful men, lawyers, et cetera, you know, to talk to our clients. And when you talk to these people, you realize that they are not like they are not interested in something that they can get by themselves to have that from a woman. Uh So um, when you you step into an empowered man's world, you understand that if he wanted to make more money, he could just make it. If he wanted to sign more promotion deals, he could just sign them. It's not why he comes to you as a woman. He comes to you for things he couldn't buy by himself. He couldn't get by himself. Even if he wanted to, he couldn't get, how you know how your how you giggle and how you laugh and how you smile he couldn't even get that with his guy friends right like he is coming to you for things that are essentially making you a woman and that has nothing to do with your career success that has nothing to do with your um uh, achievements your promotions blah 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 now this doesn't mean that You've got to stop yourself from being intelligent and being a woman who is going for the things she wants. I I always believe that our achievements and our intelligence is an added bonus, right? It's it's something another smart man can appreciate and and, you know, be proud about. Like my husband is really proud of my success, but does he love me because of it? Never. We fell in love when none of this existed, right? So... I think this is about separating, learning to separate your identity from your work and your career success and starting to find value and worth in the woman that you are. And that has nothing to do do with your achievements because we are loved for who we are not what we do. And unless and until we make that differentiation, we're always going to lead our dates, we're always going to lead our relationships with money, with achievements, because that's what we think um, the opposite sex is looking for. And that is far from the truth.
0: Hey U-turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but if you're anything like me working from home, this quarantine has got you craving some structure and I have gotten so much out of committing to a morning routine. And for me, that's looked like burning some Palo Santo every morning, sipping some coffee while I'm journaling, and of course, making my daily protein shake with Organifi's vanilla protein powder. I just put a scoop of their vanilla protein, frozen organic strawberries, half a frozen banana and coconut milk into the blender and boom, We'll be right back. That little candy-addicted five-year-old living inside of me gets so happy feeling like she started her workday with what tastes like a vanilla milkshake with strawberries in it. So if you follow me on the gram, you know that even when I try to eat healthy, I tend to have little snack incidents and that's why I am so grateful that Organifi is now sponsoring the U-Turn podcast. It is such a milestone for us to have them supporting the show, and I'm pretty sure that without their super healthy protein powder, I'd be lacking in my morning routine. So if you're looking for some consistency and some structure in your diet i'm really in love with their products which is why we wanted to get you hooked up with a discount when you go to organifi.com slash u-turn that's organif icom com backslash y-o-u-t-u-r-n for 15 percent off now let's get back to the episode I feel like I worked so hard in my career that when I was dating, it was just so easy to be like, I'm, you know, I think because I got a lot of my worthiness from achieving when I was a kid, it felt like, you know, especially from my dad, who's an amazing guy, but obviously tended to celebrate when I was doing something that in his perception would help me survive in the world, you know, like, of course, he's going to celebrate those things. But the outcome was that I think when I started dating, one big thing was constantly feeling like I need to make sure this guy knows that I don't need him so that he can appreciate how strong I am. And it's like I was really going about it, I to me, all wrong, but it, it not that there's such a thing as wrong. But to me, it was like when I found the right person and the guy that I wanted to marry, it was so much more of like, I'm just gonna be myself. And and if he wants to talk about this part of me, we could talk about that too. And as a result, my career wasn't something we had talked about that much until much later, where he was like, So what do you have going on? You know? And yeah. um it was a really funny experience for me to see that change. So I know that there's, uh, you, you talk a little bit about heart energy and also emasculating men. So those are two topics. I'm just really curious, like, what does it mean when somebody is in heart energy?
1: So I think when we talk about heart energy, it's about really oper- starting to operate from your feeling world versus your mind world. Mm-hmm. So what do I mean very often you know when I see women who are dating and they are struggling with online dating for example they're looking to meet good men and then the way the guys text it doesn't feel good but they will carry on texting and they will come and ask me questions like so what do I say Sammy and he said this and what do I say to that and how do I get a date and I'm like okay stop 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 just feel into this yeah Feminine energy, heart energy, is a moment-to-moment energy that gives you answers on the way. It is not a template. It is not a premeditated template, right, that you can just plug in, fix, and get your answers. Because every woman is different, every man is different, every relationship is different. And we're complex creatures. We all come from, you know, different cultures, different belief and value systems. And so when somebody says, you know, what do I do? What do I do to get a date? They're dating from their masculine energy, their mind energy, which is where they're equating winning with just getting that outcome no matter what, right? Hmm. Just like get the date and then you win. Whereas when a woman gets in touch with her heart energy, she starts to connect with, does this feel good? Hmm. And if it's not feeling good, then maybe the outcome is not worth it so she's she's in that space where feeling good and honoring her heart is more important than getting the outcome
0: okay well this leads me into actual relationships as a topic because you're making up that you're sharing this point of um not feeling good and i think some people are in relationships where they really love their partner but if they're really honest with themselves most of the time they're not feeling good about something or them in general, what feedback do you have or what wisdom can we share here for people to start to make better decisions as to whether they should stay in their relationship or whether they're in the right relationship at all when it comes to feeling good? Because I know that fighting is kind of like a part of growth sometimes, but sometimes it's also like there's a tipping point where it's like, you just don't feel good in this relationship. It's time to go.
1: Yeah. So I think that's a, that's again, a complex topic. And the way I would approach this is some conflict and some resentment and some fights are part of any healthy relationship because your partner is never going to be a mind reader. And it is the process through which two people get to learn about each other, get to grow each grow with each other. So in my work, I say your triggers are a gift right? Like every time you get emotionally triggered by your guy, or even if your partner gets emotionally triggered by you, your perspective that this is a bad thing is actually going to hurt the relationship. But if you can adopt the perspective, this is a gift. This is an opportunity for us to get to know each other even better, for us to communicate even better, then that gives you the springboard to start having more healthy communication in your relationship. So that's the first thing, which is, you know, if you are getting constantly triggered by your partner and if const- there, there is, you know, conflict arising, your attitude about the conflict, you know, this is going to damage my relationship, or this is a gift, this is an opportunity for us to get to know uh, each other even better and to get even closer. Um, that attitude is going to define um, the success of a relationship in the long run, in the long run, because people and and couples who avoid conflict tend to get trapped in, um, you know, unhappy, dissatisfied, resentful relationships way more than, than men and women who are able to talk talk about what is bothering them. Mm-hmm. So the next thing that is important here is, of course, not just that we stay connected with our feeling state, which is, you know, this doesn't feel good. But also taking responsibility, you know, um, I think uh, we need to all be aware that inside of us sits a victim, you know, a voice of being the victim. And many times um, I can speak for my clients, you know, they often come feeling like they're victims in their marriages or victims in their relationships and their guy doesn't listen to them and their guy doesn't, you know, pay prioritize them as much as they would like to see him prioritize them. And in these cases, you know, it's so important that we are able to first take responsibility for our own energy, which is I'm never a victim. I always have a choice, right? Because otherwise you're coming from a disempowered state. And in that disempowered state, it's very easy to just point fingers at your partner and say, he's responsible for my misery. That's it, you know? But when you do this work and when you become a conscious, like you, you consciously connect with your partner versus just, you know, letting whatever is happening happen, happen. When you become that kind of conscious connector in your relationship, then you start to take responsibility for, you know, I'm feeling resentful. I'm feeling angry. Where is my part in this? Mm. Where is my part in this? What am I doing to further exacerbate the condition I am in? And once you start to ask questions like that, you will come up with answers like, you know, hey, you know, I have this expectation, but maybe I've never even expressed it. Right? Like, he's not a mind reader. How is he supposed to know that I don't want to live in, his, in in the same house with his mom? And that I want us to have a separate apartment. You know, I had a client who came to me and she was engaged to her guy um, for two years. And... Uh, Just once casually, he mentioned that, you know, my mom is also thinking of uh, moving in and, you know, it would be so nice to have a joint family and uh, also have support with the kids whenever they come. And then she processed all of that in her head. And then she came to me and she said, he's not even ready to like buy a new place. He just wants a place with his mom. And, you know, that's not what I want. And I think it's time to break up and give the ring back. And I was like, okay, hold on, hold on too fast. Does he know? Have you communicated what you want? And she was like, no, but I know what he wants. And I know that he doesn't want to buy uh, his own apartment. I said, is this a non-negotiable for you? And she was like, yes, it is. I said, then he needs to know that too. He needs to know that this is not just a request that you're making. It's also a non-negotiable request that you're making. And then they had that conversation. And today they bought their own apartment. You know, they're living happily. But it just goes on to show that you know it is so important to take responsibility for our part in a situation um, when we're not feeling good or happy in it, versus just blame the man because that is the easiest thing to do. And Mm -hmm. when you start to take responsibility, you start to ask yourself questions like, okay, what is my role in this? How am I contributing to this? And so if you were to speak to my clients, most of them would tell you that. When they do the work um, that we take them through in our programs, the step-by-step work, most women will say that their partners completely became different, not because the men changed fundamentally, but it was because the way the woman was showing up in the relationship started to shift. She was not blaming him anymore. She was not emasculating him anymore. She was not, you know, expecting him to be a mind reader anymore. And so they say the guy changed, but actually the guy didn't change at all. He only started to mirror a new, higher, more empowered, more sensitive version of himself based on the new, more empowered, more elevated version of the woman and who she was being in that dynamic. Now, when that doesn't happen, you can start to operate at a very high level of personal responsibility. You're managing your communication. You are drawing your boundaries well. You are saying no to things that don't make you happy. You are, you are respectfully asking for things that you do need and giving your partner you know, helpful feedback. And if he still doesn't respond to all of that, like you just don't see anything shifting, then I think it's more or less um, easy to say that it may be the time to go. Mm -hmm. But the time to go can only be decided once you have taken responsibility for your part, because a lot of people would just blame and would want the other person to work on themselves versus saying, what can I do here differently? Mm -hmm. And without that piece of the puzzle um, you know, being resolved first. I do I think it's too, it's too premature to jump into. Should I just give up on the relationship?
0: Why do you think people go there so quickly? Like I, I this is not the first or last time I'm sure we're going to hear someone who is in a relationship that's working and then something comes up and they, they're like in fight or flight. Like, What do you think that is that gives, because I find that most relationships have one person that's like all in and then one person who's just a little less in. That's my experience. What do you think is going on with the person who kind of subconsciously always has it in their mind that they can exit?
1: I think there are two things there um, that I would like to speak to. The first one is that sometimes we just have intimacy fears, we're afraid of being tied down in relationships. We're afraid of losing our our freedom in relationships. And even though we said yes to a commitment, what we're actually looking for is a reason to run away. And so at the first site of conflict or at the first argument, your brain is gonna go, that's it, that's the reason I should leave um i can give you the example of one of my clients you know she's 44 um works as a banker in manhattan uh really eager to have children and then she meets this guy um and they're they're dating now for 4 months and uh, moving towards the ring and then they had their first argument where he forgot uh, I think the monthly anniversary or something, something really small, like that wouldn't matter to me, but it mattered to her. And so she just said, for the first time ever, she said to him, um, "I feel a little disappointed that you cancelled our date on the day that was our first, you know, our meeting anniversary, four months meeting anniversary." And then instead of just saying, "Oh, sweetheart, you know, I'll make it up to you," work came up. Uh, this guy goes goes on to say. Uh, you know um if you can't even handle this you know you can't like if you are getting so quickly annoyed and disappointed i don't know how it's going to work out in the future and and she was so stumped because this was the first time she was brave enough to really open her heart in some way and like talk about that it ma- what mattered to her and uh, could she have done it in a better way perhaps but that's not the point the point is that are you in a partnership with a man who is just not ready to, to to have one piece of discomfort in his life and one piece of responsibility in his life where it comes to you know catering to the feelings and the well-being of the woman he's with and so ultimately what you can see is that you know this man is quite a workaholic her partner and um, he uses this argument to to tell her that maybe they're not a good fit for each other. <laughs> like, Totally from zero to 100. It went from zero to 100. And so she comes back to me in tears and says, you know, what did I do wrong? Was it so bad that what I did, you know, I was just disappointed. Like, what's the big deal? And now he wants to break up and he thinks we're not a good fit for the future. And it's not about her. You know, this is not about her. This is about somebody who is not willing to do the effort that is required in adult relationships. Because to be expecting your woman to only be happy and to expecting your woman to never have a bad day or never have a hard emotion, um, you're not looking for a real woman then. And uh, this is what happens when we have these intimacy fears, where we tell ourselves, you know, I'm I'm not really ready for commitment. I, I love my freedom. I'm happy to go on the in my life the way my life is going on. And then when this is going on in our subconscious, you know, these intimacy fears are going on in our subconscious, then the mind just looks for any reason to confirm itself. So the mind is just going to confirm itself and it's going to look for reasons to confirm itself. So that's what happens with people who are just ready to fly off the handle on, you know, every little conflict or every little argument versus staying in the relationship and, you know. Um, having conversations like adults should have. And I think the second reason why a lot of people just walk out of the relationship is because personal, taking personal responsibility is way easier said than done. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people blame it, uh, um, uh, mistake it for self blame. So they either know how to hate themselves and like punish themselves and get really hard on themselves when they take responsibility for how they've behaved or they will do the opposite which is i'm never wrong and the problem is with the with the guy right the problem is with the other partner so Mm -hmm. personal responsibilities are really can be unless you're you're really aware and you can say, Hey, I acted in a really bad way and I take responsibility for that. Or I take responsibility for not having told you what I wanted. I take responsibility for, you know, getting silently resentful on you and holding sex back. Um, i think it can be really just easy to blame someone else for your misery because it prevents you from looking inside yourself and doing the hard work which is the inner work which is taking responsibility
0: mhm yeah totally and it's it's so interesting cuz i i feel like anybody who's listening has probably been in a dating situation with somebody who's kind of quick to find the exit, bu- exit button and um and then there's also the people who need to be a whole lot quicker to find the exit button and they're just staying in the wrong thing. Um, And I want to ask you about emasculation and, you know, if there's a guy listening right now and he's feeling a little off in his relationship or there's a woman listening now and there's something that is not working, what does it look like when somebody is emasculating according to you? Like what's your experience of that?
1: Okay. So firstly, let's talk about just emasculation, what it is to, what it is to men. And uh, what is the opposite of this if we were to do this to women, right? So emasculation to men is what objectification is to women. So if a guy was was to come to you and say, hey, hot body, nice boobs, uh, and you you go like, oh, but I also have a master degree. And he says, who cares? (laughs) Hot body, nice boobs. Yeah. Yeah. that's if if you were to be treated that way it wouldn't feel good right as a woman now that's because you're a woman and you don't like to be objectified it's the same thing with men emasculation is disrespecting a man for being a man and the same way you feel angry about objectification or you silently resent when someone looks at you that way, men silently resent a woman who emasculates them, or in other words, doesn't respect their masculinity. So emasculating behaviors vary in form, shape, size, and intensity. And I think all successful women, including myself, I'm no Miss Perfect Panties, we're all guilty of doing it at some level. And so when I talk about not emasculating our men, I really, I don't talk about perfection because I don't believe in perfection, but I do believe by learning about these behaviors um, and becoming more aware in the way we are treating our partners or even our dates for that matter, we can um, you know just have more cordial, respectful, um, more connected relationships by not pressing the buttons uh, of the male species in the way that we wouldn't like our buttons to be pressed, right? So there's so many examples of um, emasculation, but if I were to list some, some behaviors that I see very frequently happening in relationships, I think the first one would be mothering a man. -hmm. Um so many ways to describe mothering, but M for mothering, M for masculine energy. So let's just start there. You know, a lot of the time a lot of the time when we think of mothering, we think it's very feminine. Mm -hmm. You know, to be a mother is very feminine, but actually it's very masculine because when you're taking care of a newborn baby. You've got to really pull up your masculine energy socks and you've got to provide and feed and, you know, wake up, give, deliver like that little baby can't um, uh, do anything by itself. And so it's completely dependent on you. And so you can imagine just how much masculine energy mothering takes. And so when we are mothering, um, we are putting our baby's needs ahead of our needs. Right. And it's the same thing in the relationship with our men. When we are mothering our men, we are putting their needs ahead of our needs. And this can be very subconscious. So women can be mothering by, you know, very obvious ways, which is, hey, you know, have you taken your vitamins and have you taken your passport? And uh, have you taken your wallet? And uh, did you eat breakfast? And honey, you're drinking too much beer these days. You need to watch out for your health. So those are some of the really obvious ways of mothering. But I would say it's also very subconscious energy inside of women, you know, like especially when we get married and we start to get comfortable in the relationship and we have a certain level of comfort with our partners. You know, subconsciously, we will start to put our partner's needs ahead of our needs, right? So, you know, we'll—I um, don't know if there's just one sandwich left—you'd, you know, you'd go, "You can have it," you know. Like it starts with those little, little sacrifices that we we think we're making out of love, but what happens is that over time, it just starts to be like you're more important than me. Your needs are more important than my needs. And Mm -hmm. I would say that mothering is one of the biggest turn offs for men because they, you know, they didn't sign up to have another mother in their lives. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. they already have a mom and they signed up for a dream girl. They signed up for the woman who, you know, turns them on, that they can make love to, um, that they can, you know, show off, you know, how pretty she looks, how, how great she is, um, to his friends. And so suddenly this woman, you know, when she starts to subconsciously mother and start being in this mothering energy in the relationship, she starts to take more and more space in the relationship and she starts to do everything in the relationship. And uh, the men feel like, okay, so so what's what's happening here? So I can give you an example from my own marriage. You know, when my first child was born, you know, I just felt so much under pressure to breastfeed and to cook the meals. And it's so funny because I... Teach this stuff, and so you you think you know. I should. Why should I be doing it? But sometimes when you get in these energies, it takes another person to spot it for you, or at least it takes you to like you know s- step out of yourself and really see yourself in the equation. And then anyway, I did it like two, three, two, three for two, three weeks, and then I told my husband, you know, honey, I'm feeling really exhausted, and he looked at me yeah. and he said, Yeah, it's because you're doing too much. And I said, what do you mean to I'm doing too much? And he said, well, you know, um, I'm more than happy to help you with the meals. You can sleep at night. I will give the bottle. But like, you're just, you know, you're just doing it all. <laughs> and I have no space to step in and give to you. And so it was a very subconscious, like I I quickly dialed it back. And I was so grateful to see him step up and that I could sleep more and be a queen again. But um, I think when we are in those heightened states of mothering, especially when kids are involved, I think it's just so easy to lose your queen energy or diva energy or put yourself first energy and to just get in this action, action, doing, doing mode. And it's a big turn off. It's a big attraction killer. And at some deep level, you know, even if we were to if we were to take out the equation of the man and the woman in this, you know, mothering is a turn off to men. I think mothering is just a really disempowered state state to be in for a woman because it's self neglect right it's about neglecting the woman inside of you so you know I like to dress well I like to show up you know in my pretty dresses and spray perfume and you know do my nails and you know go out with my girls and then when the baby was born you know I just put on my pajamas and you know tied my hair and left them dirty uh, for like Uh, you know shampooing my hair was a was a big exercise was a day to be celebrated and I I very quickly realized you know that's okay if it's there for a temporary time because um you know, giving birth to a new life and you know taking care of it is no ordinary task uh, that that God puts on us women. And it's okay for a temporary period of time. You know, we go into that total newborn baby obsession, but if it carries on, then it is a challenge and it is it is self neglect at its core you're neglecting the woman inside of you you know if you were to separate yourself from the role of daughter and husband and wife and mother you're still a woman at the at the core of it all and that woman needs your attention and that woman needs your you know prioritization and so mothering is at its you know essence core level, it is self neglect. And so even if we were to stop looking at it from a behavior that emasculates men, we could even just embrace this, you know, desire, uh, this concept of not mothering, because it takes a lot out of us and it, um, you know, neglects that woman that that beautiful goddess, divine feminine inside of us. So Mm. mothering is one of the core ways in which we Emasculate our men. I think um, if I were to mention, I mean, there are lots of behaviors, so I could go on and on. But I'm just choosing what I feel I see very frequently. I think the second one would be over giving.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and tell uh, me a little bit about that one because I think a lot of people um, there's such a fine line between generosity and then trying to be manipulative through giving so that you can get something else or so that you can feel a certain way. Like, tell me a little bit about that one. I had a relationship where I did that all the way and it was so exhausting.
1: Yeah. And again, if you would, if you were in touch with your heart Mm -hmm. and you respected how exhausted you felt, you'd probably have stopped doing it long ago. That's, that's also a beautiful illustration of how we do it with the mind because the mind tells us if I give, I will get something back. Or if I give, he will see what a great catch I am, right? So what a good girl I am. So it's again, very very connected with the head versus when we are in that state where we're connected with our heart and we can go like, how does this feel to me? How does like checking in with my feeling state? So that's where feminine energy is so powerful. So thank you for sharing that example. Um, so overgiving. giving when you're giving more to the relationship and to your guy than he's giving to you and the relationship really simple mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so if you were to sit if you were to sit down today and make a list of all the things you do for the relationship and for your man in the relationship and then you were to make a list of all he does for the relationship and for you the person who is giving more is the overgiver in the relationship? Now here's the trick, okay uh, this is the this is a little bit controversial, but I'm gonna put it out there anyway. In order to maintain sexual polarity in the relationship, it's actually a great thing if the man is giving more than the woman.
0: Uh-huh.
1: yeah because then women come and say, so is the man the overgiver if he's if his list is longer, right? And the truth is men fall in love and stay in love through giving. This is like the masculine instinct to protect, to provide, to be there. And so he actually enjoys it. If he's an empowered man, he enjoys the giving. It keeps him involved in the relationship. It keeps him feeling needed in the relationship. And you never have to outdo him on the giving because then you cancel out the polarity. Mm. So let me explain this. If, if you were to say that me and my partner do everything 50-50, then I would ask you, so who is who is the leader in this relationship? Who's carrying the masculine energy and who's carrying the feminine energy? It would be very difficult to spot that. Mm. Right? And so some amount of difference in the woman's list versus the man's list um, you know, romance is not about equality. Romance is about polarity, and a lot of people don't understand this, right? So um, it's totally okay if the woman's list is slightly less in in the giving zone than the man's list when it comes to masculine doing, giving behaviors. You know, the woman can still give through compassion, through feminine energy, through appreciation, through leaning back and letting him be a man, through not emasculating him. But when we talk about giving and not outdoing your man on the giving, we're really talking about masculine behaviors like, you know, cooking, cleaning, gift giving, the doing, the chores. Um, And so it is in that very specifically defined context of masculine energy doing, um, it is actually healthy if the woman's list is less long than the man's list. She can, as I said, still give. We can still give a lot of love through her heart and through being a good listener and through being, you know, through embodying her feminine energy qualities in the relationship, which men actually really suck, you know. They they really they they're they're a sucker for it. They they don't mind giving and doing as long as they're receiving that you know, feminine energy back. They're receiving that appreciation back. They're receiving the hugs and the kisses back. You know, they're receiving your compassion when they are hurting and they are receiving your faith and belief in them when they're doubting themselves. You know, all of those are soft feminine energy skills and a woman can really, you know, show up and give that way. But when it comes to masculine doing, a woman wants to be not outdoing her man. Most women will be be outdoing their men. Um, This is my experience. So when I say it emasculates men, again, I will see that most of my clients will be the ones who are givers. You know, I always tell them giving is a gift, but just like too much sugar spoils a cookie, you know, even a gift, even something you do out of love and good intentions. If you do too much of it, it spoils the recipe. You know, it spoils the relationship. And so for overgivers, you know, I, I ask them to actually start keeping a checklist. Um, standard couple advises, don't keep a checklist, you know, give to your partner freely. But I think uh, that's dangerous advice because for the overgivers, um, what I have found is that they give, 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 give. And sometimes they give to get. Sometimes they give and then get resentful that they're not getting back. And so that those dynamics cause a lot of struggle in the relationship and build up a lot of resentment in the relationship. Whereas if you really started to take responsibility for your overgiving and really started to keep a checklist, you will be able to hopefully, you know, control your overgiving tendencies, moderate your overgiving tendencies. And the way we want to give the healthy way of giving to our partners is out of choice, not out of guilt or obligation, or um, if you feel like you're going to come back and quote it, I did this and this for you in 2017, then it's better to not give.
0: I love this topic. I think that this is going to be transformational for so many women. Um, I know that you listed other different traits that can be emasculating, controlling somebody, micromanaging them, blaming them, coddling them, which kind of seems like mothering. I don't know if there's a difference there, you can let, let me know, but criticism and also correcting. So would you say that coddling is a lot like mothering?
1: Coddling is babying your man, yeah. Like, I think the expression just uh, teaches you that it's uh, very man-focused. It's like, hey, it's really cold outside, did you put on your gloves? Or I've actually had clients say that, like, um, I'm not making this up. And, uh, it's really cold outside. Did you put on your cap? Did you like, um, did you, did you take your medicine today? So that's the coddling like this, or like, are you sure you want to apply for this job? Like, it's not good for you, you know, like really interfering and, and really managing the man's life as if it were your baby.
0: So what would you say to, like, let's say somebody's listening and their, their man tends to turn to them a lot for help. And it kind of puts them in this coddling dynamic. Like I can only imagine somebody trying to step up and create more polarity. Like you don't want to be this like masculine energy and being like, buck up, you know, like stop asking me what I think. So what suggestion do you have from a communication standpoint so that women can start in encouraging their um, men? Not that this is completely a gender issue, but this idea of coddling. Mm -hmm. Um, what, What would be some way that a woman could communicate to empower their partner to kind of step up and stop this dynamic of coddling?
1: Okay, great question. So I think the first thing would be to have compassion because uh, most people want to change their relationship dynamics overnight, but that's not how it works. And the reason that there is a specific dynamic in place where he turns to you a lot for help and a lot for your ideas um, tells me that you have at some level trained him that it's okay to do that right so it doesn't even occur to him that this could be ruining the polarity or that this could i mean of course it doesn't occur to him that this could be ruining the polarity but it could also um he he may not understand that it lands on you as a burden that maybe you actually don't like fixing him so much and helping him so much and you'd rather that he do more things by himself and, you know, only on the important things he asks you what your opinion is or what you think of it. So just have compassion. That's that's the most important thing. Don't expect things to change overnight. And I mm-hmm. think the second thing would be to start asking him questions that dig things out of him versus you having to give the answers. So for example, if Chris, firstly, Chris doesn't consult me much on his work. And when he does, I generally just ask him back. So what do you think? What do you, what are you thinking of doing? And then he just tells me that. And I'm like, okay, sounds great, honey, you know? And then if he explicitly asks me for advice on something, then I give it. Mm -hmm. Um, I I limit myself to two sentences because I could go on and on. You know, I'm so full of ideas. The other day he asked me for, he was sharing his success with a project, a very big project that he's leading in his company. And uh, I had all my CEO ideas, you know, like I just wanted to like, I wanted to do it to him uh yeah. without without <laughs> being asked. But I have become very self-aware. So I said to him, Honey, I have some great ideas. Uh, if you'd like to know them. And he said to me, Okay, I'll let you know if I want to know them. And he didn't ask for more. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's quite amazing to see that how they don't like they don't want it. And yeah. uh I'm so grateful that I can catch myself in those moments, you know, when I'm bursting with ideas and I want to give it to him, but I would still first take permission. So that's the that's the tool, the practical thing women can do, which is uh, when a guy asks you for advice, show respect by taking permission. Say, sure, I'm happy to, you know, give you my ideas. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that okay with you that I give you my ideas? And then when he does say it's okay, you know, still like hold your horses. Uh, Don't just go off because we can just then go on and on and and get really interested and poke our noses really deep into his matter. So do it, but do it in a controlled fashion where I would say like two sentences, three sentences. That's what I give myself. And then I also stop. Yeah. And then I wait for him to speak, wait for him to give me feedback. And uh, generally that works good. And Mm -hmm. what's important also is to have a detached attitude because some of us, when we give advice, we get very hurt if he doesn't follow it. (laughs) This Mm -hmm. is, this is another one like, Oh yeah, I, I told him, but he went and did what he wanted. And yeah, that's right. Because it's his life at the end of the day. Right. So only give advice when, when you know you can handle him choosing differently. Like if you get too attached with the advice that you're giving, and you really want him then to follow it, then it's it's better to not give the advice. So there have been um, equations where I've said to Chris, honey, I trust you. You know, I trust you to figure this out. Like you always do, like you always do, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'll just change the topic, give him a kiss. And then, you know, we'll just carry on as if, as if that never happened. And then he'll figure it out. And I really do trust him. He's an empowered man. I, I really do trust him. So that's another script that women can start to try if their partner turns a lot to them mine doesn't thankfully but if you find that your partner turns a lot to you for support and help and advice and opinions you can start to say um you know what honey i trust you i trust your intuition on that you'll figure it out yeah and that that fosters that self belief that fosters that trust in him and that of course Puts the ball back in his court and empowers him to lead his own life.
0: Mm, This is such a perfect note for us to end on. I'm so grateful for this conversation. I know that um, there's a lot of you who, you know, we live in a world where there's multiple different types of relationships. And I'm aware that this is hetero focused. And I know for many of my listeners, this is going to just be game changer, especially the part about overgiving. I used to be that person. I'm still sometimes that person. So I needed the reminder, uh, where can everybody find you, work with you, learn from you?
1: So you can find me on my website, sammywonder.com Just, I'm going to spell it out because it's S-A-M-I-W-U-N-D-E-R. So it's the German word for wonder. So it's spelled as wonder with a u sammywunder.com i also have a really active uh facebook private facebook group where we support women and give them a lot of tips it's called wonder divas on facebook
0: that's amazing thank you again thank
1: you you've asked some really thought provocative questions thank you for having me ashley
0: Hi U-Turn friends, this episode with Sammy got me thinking a lot about how we identify when it comes to our romantic relationships and it's so interesting because who we are in our career often has very little to do with who our relationships are calling us forward to be and what our relationships actually need and on a romantic level and this also makes me think about the curiosity of asking you, you know, how... How do you feel worthy in love? What is it that makes you feel deserving in love? What are you believing about yourself that makes you deserving of love? Um, Far too often I find that we tie our worthiness to our achievements, our looks, um, our ability to rescue someone and a lot of these patterns in our romantic relationships keep up until we notice them and then we choose differently and it's so interesting i know that we've had an episode with tatiana ray on the show and if you haven't listened to her episode about how to set yourself free she's so powerful and she talks a lot about this concept of nest energy and how we grew up in our house and our nest with a certain type of energy that became very familiar so whether your parents were stressed out and working all the time and not totally emotionally available to you or they were very available to you and you felt suffocated We tend to register romantic partners through the lens of what feels familiar to us as good for us and so it can be very tempting in our love lives to shop for partners who make us feel quote-unquote like home and I know I've talked about this before but I just wanted to reiterate how tempting it is to sometimes keep recreating the patterns that aren't really working for us when it comes to our love lives and I think that this has to do with, number one, your nest energy, which I'm talking about here, and also how you feel worthy in love. For so for a long time before I met my partner now, I felt worthy because I was achieving things, and I thought that that made me a more worthwhile partner. Like, I'm interesting, I bring interesting things to the table. This was the story I was telling myself, and that's why somebody should love me. And it wasn't until a lot later that I realized love really strips you bare, and it's really just about... One soul and another soul and can they connect and have real conversation and inspire and move each other and hold space for each other and and grow with each other. And it is just a completely different ball game, is what I'm really finding when it comes to love. And I also love what Sammy talked about with scarcity, how sometimes we tend to go into scarcity with love and think that we're running out of options, or there's competition, or it's too late, or, you know, we missed the boat. And, you know, life is so on your own timing. And I just want to remind you that everything is happening on time for you. Everything is happening on time. One thing that I write about in my new book, The U-Turn Book, which is on Amazon now, um, I write a lot about how... My grandma had a conversation with me when I was a kid, and I don't remember what chapter it is that I talk about this, where I wanted something to happen for me. I think I wanted to be picked for the school play, and she talked to me about it like it was time zones. She said, Ashley, we live in Los Angeles. Do you know what time it is here? I said, yeah, it's 3 p.m. She said, what time is it in New York? I said, it's 6 o'clock, three hours ahead. She said, okay, so it's dinner time in New York, and I said, yeah, and she said, well, that's what time people are eating. That's what they're doing right now, and I said, okay, what's your point? She said, right now it's 3 o'clock. It's not dinner time yet for you. But it will come. And she said, stay in your time zone. And I never ever forgot that. And so when it comes to your love life, I just want to remind you stay in your time zone. Trust the timing of your life. Take a look at the patterns that you keep having come up in your relationships. Do you tend to want to exit a lot? Do you tend to try and rescue people? Do you tend to try and stay even when it's not working? Do you overgive and overfunction? How are you showing up in your love life? What are you believing about yourself, about your worthiness that makes you a good partner? These are the questions that can set you free. I encourage you to journal them, write them right at the top of a paper. Who am I being in my love life? What patterns am I seeing in my love life that don't work for me? Um, what was the nest energy I grew up in with my parents and how is that that? familiarity that didn't work for me showing up in my partners. Um, It took me a long time to realize that because I had a dad who was very busy with work, I tended to attract a lot of men who were also very busy with work and didn't have time for me. And this was huge for me. So just this awareness is the starting point for so much transformation. I wish you such a beautiful day. I'm so excited you're listening to these episodes and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the U Turn Podcast. If any of our guests mention any resource that you're interested in, you can head on over to ashleystall.com and press the podcast tab to see any show notes. It's A S H L E Y S T A H L.com. On that page, you're also going to see our brand new free quiz helping you discover which career path you're actually meant for. It's followed by tons of content packed emails about your personality in the workforce. And of course, we just can't thank you enough for your written reviews. These reviews mean a lot for our show to keep getting out there. So if you ever send me a DM on the gram and I'm so grateful that you have, I would love it if you would copy and paste that into the podcast app of your smartphone as a written review. It would mean so much for us over here at the show. Thanks again for being here and I can't wait to connect with you next week.